Welcome to the Dripping in Black podcast, where we celebrate Black excellence throughout the Black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis. What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. And per usual, we have another fantastic guest. Our guest today is Damian Kyle Crutcher. Damien, say hello to the world. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. Hope everybody's doing okay. <laughs> All right. So we got quite a few topics that we're going to get into. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, Damien is a real close friend of mine. Grew up together, same street. Uh, we'll get into some details about that shortly. But let's have our guest tell the world about himself. So, Damien Kyle Crutcher, who are you? Who am I? Man, um, well, first of all, today today is my 53rd birthday. Um, I am, I'm a Detroiter. Like, I've been in Detroit all my life, you know. Um, only left twice to go to school. Once at uh, Michigan State for undergrad, and then later on, uh, Michigan for a master's. So, I'm a Detroiter. Northeast side, like you said. David and I grew up together like brothers, really. I mean, brothers yeah. for real. Yeah. Um, his mom is my bonus mother. Um, I love to eat. Obviously, if you look at me, I love to eat. I like to run my <laughs> mouth. Um, I'm a faithful member of the church. I'm a Christian. I'm an assistant pastor, uh, musician, teacher. Uh, yeah, all those things. That's that's me. I like pork chops. You know, I like pork chops. <laughs> I had I had two today, so just pray for me. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Um, I like stuff to be fair. Um, I like good conversation. I'm, I'm serious about justice and things being equal, and and people having more than just access to stuff. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and uh, man, we we have so much that we could talk about. I'm gonna have to mind my own conversation, but. Damien is a close friend. He's the godfather of both of my sons. Uh, his brother, his younger brother, is a close friend of mine as well. Freddie C. Shout out to Freddie C. Right, Freddie C. And uh, he was the best man in my wedding. So before transparency, very, very close friend, as he said, like brothers. And, you know, so we grew up together. There was times where we worked in the same place. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. I want to go there. So I uh, started my teaching as a substitute teacher. Mm -hmm. Damien had been teaching for years. Tell the world where that was. I was at that time. We were at Southfield Lathrop High School. Yeah. Right. I started. I started at Lathrop. uh, I think the fall of '96. I had just finished in Michigan, and. I was supposed to go on to teach at a college. Like that was the normal track for the folks who finished at Michigan. They were going to teach at college. And my my professor had three colleges lined up for me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then Southfield Latham had a position. And so they came looking for me and they said, hey, we need you. You can do this. The kids can't play. They won't listen. And so I interviewed for the job and I started in 96 at Southfield Latham High School, which was you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, it was a premier 
it was a, the best kept secret, I think, but it was mm-hmm. it was the premier high school in, in Wayne and Oakland County, for sure. What what makes you say premier? What about it uh, made it stand stand apart from other schools? I, I think that, uh, first of all, the principal, Todd Henderson, who is, yeah. is a good friend of mine, he helps me with Crescendo. He's one of my advisors. Um, Todd was uh, a white guy who understood that these black kids need black teachers. Yeah. So he had some white staff that were good. But my first year, he went on a hunt and he hired about, must have been 13 of us young black teachers, me, Marcia Whitaker, Ed Hill, Linda Evans. Linda Evans. I mean, he just raided Detroit and, and he brought us all in. And so that automatically made the school shift because you've got these yeah. black students who see all of us like you know we're in our 20s we know our stuff we love to teach and we can also grab them and say get in this office you know and talk to them for real about stuff so it was premiered that way we had great uh parental support um uh we stressed the kids we had resources to take students to different places we had the support of our principals we had the support of our superintendent Everyone was kind of on the same page. Yeah. And it was a free public school. So I was getting kids from kids were turning down country day. Wow. Uh, UD Jesuit. Um, I had kids from um all the private schools that were jumping ship to come to South Philadelphia. So it was a special, it was a special place. Yeah. Man, man, you you talked about so many things. I said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll be on here for hours. Uh um, oh, that, I know. that that um that thing about black teachers Man. in front of black kids is is a, a, a quite a topic that I think we will have to address on some other episode um because I want to keep it moving. But so you know, so again, I knew you as as growing up, right. but then I get into the profession. Um very impressed when I got to the school to see how you you operated as a teacher. And, uh, you know, so I was a substitute teacher to begin. Right, 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 right. And uh, the one class that I did not want to sub for was Damien Crutcher's class. Right. <laughs> it was a substitute teacher's nightmare because it was, it was some of my students and it was a thousand places they could go and hide. And and they had the license to go to uh, specific places. So right. I was like, I turned that that thing down. But I just remember kind of watching you. And uh, I don't know if you know this, when I started teaching as a certified teacher, I stole a lot of your um, mannerisms. I stole, I think of my class as as I'm conducting the band. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is there's times where I want the noise. Right. And there's times where I wanted to settle down. There's times where I want quiet. Right. And, you know, so I watched you and seen how you do that, did that. And I was able to steal from you. Um, well, with regards to that as well. That's so. that's pretty good. And you know, one of the things I tell, that's pretty good, David. One of the things I tell people all the time is that most of the stuff that we do as good teachers, uh, we we borrow from other people. Yeah. You know, and that's a good thing because some folks think that a some folks think that a, a, a totally quiet class is a productive class. Right. It's not necessarily so. No. Like you said, sometimes you need that activity. You need that sound. You need that noise. Kids working together. Then sometimes it's got to be in the middle of the road, and sometimes it should be silent. Yeah. But a good teacher can gauge when 
Uh, they need that. And yeah, my class was crazy too because if I weren't, if I wasn't there, they felt like I'm not. We're not doing no work. Yeah, Mr. Portrait's not here. We ain't got to play. They would run around. I would tell them, please don't act up tomorrow, y'all. Please. And it never worked. They always just went buck wild. They were great kids, but I guess it just took advantage of me not being there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a sub come in. That's that's typical. That's typical. That's a, that's a hard gig. <laughs> It's one thing to have a, a regular classroom full of kids. It's another thing to have a, a big band room full of kids. And then, like I said, they have a license of place to go. So right. that was that was a challenge that I turned down quite often. <laughs> right. And you remember some of my, like, I had a couple of bands that were like 75 kids each. That's yeah. a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. Too, too many. Too many to panic. <laughs> right, right, right. So it was, it was always a trip. Okay. And so, so you, you taught what I find interesting. When did you retire? Um, and, you know, I didn't really retire. Mm. I just stopped teaching in 08, 2008. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I was thinking it was the year after I started. Right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I put those, I, don't, I didn't put those together. No, I didn't put those times yeah. together. Yeah. So, 2008. You know, I've been subbing for a while. And then I did my student teaching there, teaching there at Southfield Lake Group. Right, right. And then uh, I started in 2007. Mm. And uh, I thought I was going to have a friend for life that I could lean on. Right. And he and retired I was, the next year. I was gone. <laughs> I was gone. I was out of there. Yeah, it was, uh, um, you know, it was, it was, it was time to, to make a shift. You know, right. and you got to know you got to know when that time is. You got to make sure if you're a Christian that you hear from the Lord and that you verify with some other people, yeah. you know, and I remember a couple of years before that, that Pastor Cranford, my pastor and my best friend, he said to me, the Lord is going to change your assignment. And I said, oh, you're crazy. I'm making all this money. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> he said, but you, he said, you'll see, you'll know, you'll, you'll know when it's time. And as I got closer to 2008, I just felt like I was in a I was in a box and it was getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, God will do that to push you out. Yeah. Make you, make you, make you almost hate it to force you to move out so he yeah. can use you in another area. So yeah, yeah it was, so 2008, I, I, I stopped teaching at Lathrop and said goodbye to the kids. It's all my friends, you know, it was wow. tough. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. It was hard. Um, so, so what was it that, that made you, you said you stopped teaching. You didn't officially retire, but what made it? What was it that made you leave teaching, in at least in that capacity? Like I said, it was it was hearing from the Lord first of all, knowing that um, I was going to have another assignment, and I could not, I couldn't figure out what the next thing was if I was still teaching music and rehearsing mm-hmm. and marching band festivals and night stuff. I just couldn't do it all. So I had to let it go so I could see what the next, the next thing was going to be. And so I had yeah. time to, um, I had time to catch up on some sleep, kind of reorder my, you know, right. Reorder my life um, and, and, and see what was out there. Cause I knew that eventually I'd have to come closer to Detroit to do things for kids in the city. Okay. I just knew that that was the driving, that South Oak Park was good, Southfield was good, but it was like, I know I got to get, you know, I got to get into the neighborhoods in Detroit and, and, and do some work. 
And those other things just kind of prepared me for uh, the next next place. Okay. It's that pull. You get to, it's, this, it's this thing where you got to go, you got to go, you got to follow it. Ain't no yeah. sense in fighting it. You know, like our friend Tom Maradona always talks about that. You know, when that, when that pull comes, when that call comes, you got to go. You just got to, you know, you got to pay off some bills. Yeah. I had to turn in my, my Cadillac was leased. I turned in my Cadillac and I, and I bought I bought a Ford Explorer cash. You know, you just got to make those adjustments and you just got to hit it. Yeah. So now you're the CEO of Crescendo. Yeah, Crescendo Detroit. Yes, sir. All right. So there's been quite a few stories done on Crescendo, but yeah. for the dripping in black audience, give them a cliff notes uh, explanation of what Crescendo is. Okay. So, so seven... Seven years ago, uh, me and Fred Crusher and a friend of mine, Richard Mukamal, we uh, founded Crescendo Detroit because really I, I noticed that I never saw kids in Detroit walking down the street with instruments. Mm. You know, like when we were growing up, like you know, I saw someone like me, like <laughs> me, right, 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 with my French horn case in my backpack. <laughs> They talked about me all the time, y'all. They, they, they let me have it. Oh my God, they let me to have the bus, it. To the bus. To the bus. Stop. To the bus. I got this French word in this backpack. Oh, cash tag. You know, it was crazy. But anyway, uh, uh, and I never saw that. And I knew that at the time, most of the schools in Detroit did not have band, orchestra, choir, dance, not even gym. You know, so we're raising a group of kids that missed all of that. So we just said, let's start this program. And we have been meeting about it. And then I woke up one day. And I said, you know, we're going to start this summer. They were like, wait, 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 we don't have no money. I said, yeah, we're going to start this summer. Let's go. <laughs> and so basically it is a it is a chance for kids to take a, a band, orchestra, or, or a percussion instrument from us. And then we also teach dance. And we also teach life skills. Mm-hmm. And now we do financial literacy. Mm-hmm. And, and my godson, David's son, he does the basketball life skills component also. And then we feed the students. I have two cooks that fight each other in the kitchen all day because they're best friends. <laughs> but we feed we feed them when they come in and then we all sit down at the end for dinner uh, together. Sometimes their parents eat with us. Um, and we meet Mondays and Wednesdays, 4 to 7.30, Saturday mornings, 9 to 1. Okay. And we started that summer with, I think, 11 kids. And uh, now we have, we graduated three kids. So we got 50, we have 50 kids in the program. Wow. Ages, ages five to 17. And we started them at five because we kind of wanted to, basically like our, like our parents used to say, we want to get them off the streets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to get them early before they get into that mode of, uh, yeah. I don't want to learn. I don't want to be the best. I don't want to be smart. Yeah. So we want to get them early to kind of get them into this culture of excellence, you know, and and, and dance was the most important though. Dance was most important because we knew that, that black people have been pioneers in every type of dance forever. Yeah. So that's why we want to dance, you know, classical dance, jazz, hip hop, you know, church, liturgical, doesn't matter. We've always been the best at that. And so that part of them seeing that, was important for them to learn who Alvin Ailey was and who Debbie Allen is. You know, it was important that they that they learn who those people are. So that's the that's the program in a nutshell. We have this amazing partnership with the University of Michigan, where go the blue. kids we go blue, right? Absolutely, they go up. Um, our kids go up about eighteen times a year to Michigan 
and, wow. and because I wanted them to go up to to know Ann Arbor, to know Gold Blue, to understand that you can do this. So they go up and they take lessons from the music students at the school university. They take wow. another dance class, another choir class, um, and then we go out to dinner. We go to football games, and the wow. university the university covers that cost of the program. I said to them, you know, you got to make this investment. And so they make that investment in our kids too. Some of them don't realize what they're getting yet, but they will, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? So, so I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, how old can, how old is too old? Cause right. You know, right. Right. That's what you, I'm saying. You, you know, when you right, said the, right. you said the football that. tickets. I said, well, wait a minute. Listen, David, listen, Fred, Fred, as you know, I went to Michigan and Michigan state. So one day Fred is my brother, David's brother. Fred said to me, hey, Kurtra, ask, uh, ask the band director, Kevin Senator, if you can get some tickets to the Michigan State game. You know, I said, okay, yeah, we'll work it out. <laughs> I called I, Mrs. Kevin. He said, yeah, let me see. So he found us like 12 tickets to a Spartan football game. And then Crescendo bought like, we bought like 10 more. And so we went up and we met the Spartan marching band on uh, at their takeoff point. We marched with the band. To the football field, yeah. the kids came through the tunnel. They were like, "Oh, are you serious?" Yeah. You know, they were playing with Sparty. They, they met Coach Izzo. You know, and then of course, when I put it on Facebook, Michigan saw that, wow. right? So Maggie Saint Clair, I don't like how this is sounding. Listen, yeah. So Michigan saw that. So Maggie Saint Clair, Western Soul. You remember Maggie? Maggie Saint Clair. She passed away a couple of years ago. She texted me and said, "Oh, I saw what." What they did at Michigan State, we can beat that. I said, can you? She said, yeah, just hold on a minute. So she, she texted me back. She said, yeah, I got tickets for you and the kids. I'm going to have T-shirts made, athletic T-shirts made. You can go on the field for post-game, pre-game, and the kids will be able to march to the, march to the stadium with the band. Because it's about the experiences, yeah. right? When you layer those experiences on top of experiences, that's when you change, like, yeah. kids' perspective. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna jump in here and, and go off a little bit because you and I went to the game, uh, the famous <laughs> trouble, the famous trouble with the snap game. <laughs> you know what? That was a trip. And we were there to experience, uh, you know, well, Crutcher. The Crutchers are really Spartan fans, uh, people. I mean, so, really, really. Honestly. We were in we were in Michigan, and um, you know. <laughs> It was it was bad because the game was the game was in our hands. Oh man! If you don't know the trouble with the snap story, the game was in our hands. The crowd was hyped, and then the trouble with the snap happened. And I tell you, Crutcher, I've never seen anything like it. Nothing so like many it. people were silent, not moving, jaws dropped, and the Crutchers they could almost not hold their excitement inside. They had to they had and to see, keep it under control because we were surrounded by. Right by Michigan people, but it was it, something. It, it was something because Maggie St. Clair, she was the marching band administrator. Um, she got us tickets, and we were right, right in front of Coach, Coach Harbaugh. We were right there in the front row, yeah. ticket row, and so it was just horrible to be there and have that happen to be around. And Fred Crutcher just looked at me when he turned around to all the Michigan folks and went. <laughs> it, was, it was unreal. It was unreal. But unreal. you know, part of that is part of that too. And we can talk about that the next time is is how important it is to like build relationships with people along the way. 
because Maggie could look out for me and us, and she could look out for the kids. And when she passed away, the director of bands at Michigan saw me at the funeral. He said, I know what she did for you and your students, and whatever you need from us, we got it. Wow. Just, just do it. And so just get my kids, but you got to teach them how to appreciate. But they won't get the Michigan, Michigan State thing, really. Yeah. Until they get older and they say, wait, we were down on the field doing flips, right? You're not doing that no more. You got to go up. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to get into that a little bit to, uh, today, um, okay. the developing of relationships, because it's getting back to crescendo. You start off with 11 kids. Right. Right. Um, where is it now? You say you have 50 kids now? 50, 50 kids now. Yeah. How do you go from 11 kids to 50 kids in, in seven years? In seven years, you, um, yeah, first of all, it's you, you have some successes. People like successes, you know? And so if you, if you put stuff on Facebook and kids are performing and they see that there's a certain group of parents that wants their kids to be in that. Yeah. They're like, okay. oh yeah. Like, like, my students in Southfield, Lathrop, and Oak Park, like they want their kids to be in Mr. Crutcher's programs. I teach, so they just dump their kids in my program. People that I went to Cast Tech with, take care of my kids, Crutcher. You know what to do. Go. Um, and then we just have to we have to beat the neighborhoods. Like we go to the neighborhoods and we grab the kids that might get missed. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids whose parents are you may, might be single parent, might not, and we make sure that we have enough of those kids in our program as well. So it's, you know, it's about building it and it gets momentum. The word gets out. People want their people in the program. We go out and recruit. We talk to friends. They send their kids. Um, They like what we do. People like that, that we feed the kids, that we look out for them, that we wrap around them. And so it just starts to build. And then along the way, you have to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, You've got to, you've got to, you got to yeah. pay for this thing. All this stuff sounds great when it's, it's free. Not, it's free, right? But you know, yeah, pay for it, and, and that's when you, that's when you cooks and <laughs> two cooks and, 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 and I got Darius coming in, and Darius got a staff. <laughs> Darius, Darius got another staff. And I said, "Well, who is she? She's my assistant coach." I got, I got to pay Darius and the assistant coach. You know? <laughs> so, so you, what you do is you learn fast. That first of all, I got to learn nonprofit. Okay, I gotta learn, I gotta learn raising money. And so you go back to your to your colleagues and friends and you find people that do that. Okay. And, you know, you pray about it. Cause one thing that Pastor Crawford always says is, you know, the Lord will teach you better than a book. So I'd be like, well, he better teach me because I don't know how to pay for this. <laughs> he better teach me today. And so you learn, um, you you study and you find out how to do it. And then you, like like Obama always says, Obama says, if you want to do something, build a community around it. Yeah. And so we started to build a community around it of music teachers, of friends and brothers like you, other teachers, former students, and then, and then, and then people with money find out about it, right? So you have a couple uh, like Maxine and Stuart Frankel, they become friends of mine. The, the Frankos are the Frankos that built Somerset Mall, just to give you a sense of who who they who they are. A little the small Frank- property out there. Little, there. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so when they go, they when they go to the mall, they just take them to this upper room, and the uh, the shoppers bring them the stuff. So, wow. so a couple like that finds out about you, and they say, "Well, listen, we want to talk to us about your program, and let's go to dinner." And so they fund some of it, and then their friends find out about it. 
you know, because you do have this extraordinary group of philanthropists that want to give to programs, you know, and, 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 and a lot of them are Jewish folks and that's what they do. That's all they do is give money. Mm-hmm. That's why they, that's why they're blessed because they do that. And so that's how you build it. You build it, you work it and you can't be messing around though. You can't have a sloppy program. Yeah. You can't, it can't be junky. So, you know, I'm curious, like if I'm somebody that's just starting my nonprofit and I don't know a Jewish person at all. At all. Right. I don't know them at <laughs> I don't all. Know anybody with deep pockets. I don't what, know are, what are some some words of advice you would give them? I, I think um start small is okay. Starting small is okay. Mm. Um staying small is okay. Mm. And I think reaching out to people like me who who have done it, but there are others that are doing it way bigger than me. But reach out to people like me. And we will help you. We'll walk you through the process. Me and Fred help a lot of people with that, you know, and just study the field. You know, as a conductor, I have to know the conductors. As a teacher, I got to know the very best teachers. I got to I gotta see David Lewis. I got to see Tom Aradotta. I got to watch Kente. You know, I got to watch these teachers teach. Um, and then nonprofit folks, you got to watch the nonprofit people. You got to keep your eye on the Detroit Symphony. Right, which I'm doing some work for them now. And the Detroit Symphony has a $68 million endowment. Wow. <laughs> so when I'm in those meetings, I'm just going, wait, 60, you know, I try not to look like I'm shocked. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, 68 million endowment? That means you're not touching that. Right, we're not touching that. We want it to be 100 million so that the orchestra will survive forever, no matter what happens. So you got to wow. study the, you got to study to read the books network, ask the questions, but just build something solid that really impacts kids because people want to know is what you're doing working? Yeah. Well, that's the, is it working? Like, is there a story there? Like, is there a story there? Like, you know, David and I, you know, Miss Mahone is one of our teachers from our middle school. Yeah. And Miss Mahone is in this thing with us. I mean, she is like, I'll be at the meeting. How much money you want? I said, hey, Miss Mahone, you must got some good money. <laughs> you and David Lewis and Frank, you're so handsome. You know, but anyway, so you just got to build that network, but start small, study, learn, but definitely make sure that there's a story to tell, even if you have five kids. Yeah. Right? All right. So crescendo. Yeah. Start small. You're at yeah. 50. Yeah. Where do you see it going next? We we talk about this a lot. My site director is Angel Rock. She was one of my kids at Lathrop. Thomas Butler. Also supposed to be a dripping in black guest. And yes, we gonna get her. She coming. She coming. She's we fully work. on blast now, people. Yeah, Angel, you on blast. But I got that's probably my fault because Christina was working her to death because uh, she runs it. <laughs> She's the principal. She runs that sucker. Uh, her and Thomas and Andre Charlie did the, the administration team. We talk about this all the time. That that. We we do want to add some more kids to the mix, but we want to do what we do better first. Okay. But we want the kids to be better readers, better basketball players, uh, better students, uh, more accountable, better better uh, musicians. So we're working on kind of going deeper with them, and then at the same time expand slowly with maybe about twenty 
about 20 more kids. And then we have offers already to start Crescendo Part 2 on the east side. I said, wait, don't wait. <laughs> don't wait. I know, I know. I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. wait. Right, they'd be like, what that you waiting on? same spirit you had when you started, let's go. Let's go. And that's, I'd be like, oh man, right, that's the Salvation Army, because we were housed at, our, at the church. And the church let us do that for free, and it didn't run out of space. So we got hooked up, and we were at the Salvation Army on Dexter in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. And there's a gym and a full kitchen. And so the Salvation Army is like, listen, we got this facility on the east side. It's bigger than this one. Okay. And, the, and the guy named Chris Ward, white guy, he's a cool guy. He said, uh, well, let me know when you're ready, but I'm already ordering stands and instruments. I said, really? He said, yeah, just when you're ready, just go. So that's, that's our plans at this, at this point, you know, and right. to just get, to get some of our boys to be a little bit more academic, you know, a little bit more uh, front of the class yeah. to get them to be, you know, cause I, our girls are off the chain. These girls, are, yeah. these, this, these, these girls. I got girls at Crescendo who are gonna who are gonna be the next Stacey Abrams. Yeah. I mean, but the boys, I'm like, come on, y'all, y'all can't let these girls look at they're gonna be doctors. Yeah. What y'all doing? Yeah. So we're just trying to get the guys to come up. So Darius is helping us with that. Yeah. So uh, so many things, man. Um, if uh, for so the East Side situation, there's people listening. What would you need to make that happen? God, that's a good question. Um, to make it happen, I have to, I have to, man, that's great. I need to feel confident enough that the West Side location is 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 functioning at a level financially that it that it should. And this year it is. This is our first year where we will meet all of our targets budget-wise. Okay. And we're doing a lot of infrastructure work on the inside, like our personal Detroit board. We got a strategic plan. You know, we've been working hard on that. My, my, one of my friends from Cass Tech, George Davis, he's the president. And so we've been really working hard on that. So we're starting to see the fruits of that now. So as that gets settled in, then we just add it to the strategic plan. And we look at the numbers, and then the numbers will tell us, okay, go. Or the faith will tell us to go before we see the numbers. So you got to have the plan in place. The staff has got to understand what that means for them. So for Angel, you got to tell her she's gonna be like Crutcher. What do you mean? You got to have a second angel. I'm not doing both. So then I have to have a second angel, and then she has to train that second angel, and and, and those kind of things have to be, you know. I I can't wait for for Pastor to watch this because I just hear so many. Um... <laughs> messages i mean you oh. got an angel working for you oh, yeah uh, you need a second angel <laughs> the second angel right 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 all that stuff you got to do that. for do do what you do do what you do with that right do what you do, right you could that'll, like they say that'll preach so that's kind of where we are uh with with all of that at uh, this point we're part of the program we've got about seven graduates out there that are that are uh in school like one of them Malik is in medical school, uh, you know, and my niece, uh, Nia, is in college at uh, EMU, and she's been teaching a social justice class uh, for us. I said, I need you to give back. She says, sure, Uncle Damien, what do you want? Teach a social justice class. So she comes on Wednesday nights, and she teaches a class, which is much more effective than me teaching, because they look at that, that's Nia, she's one of us. Wow, she's in college. She's in her dorm room, teaching in her dorm room, you know, so... Those kind of things. 
So um, talk a little bit about the process. How does somebody become a Crescendo uh, student? Uh, how do you get into the program? How does that work? Well, first of all, uh, unlike a lot of programs, we take any kid that wants to be in it. Okay. Right? There's no prerequisites. There's no audition. There's no application. Because, um, again, we want to make sure that we get the student that might get overlooked. Okay. Like like students like you and me growing up, in a way, we could have been overlooked if we didn't have a well, David. Maybe Williams. you, maybe you, not me. <laughs> not, you, <laughs> I mean, not, you, not you, not you, me. We on me, camera, you. man. We're on camera. I'm not sorry. I didn't mean, maybe you. I'm telling, the, I'm telling the information. You know, if we didn't have a Miss Poor, Miss White, David Williams, yeah, Sadie Mahone, you know, all those great people, and yeah. so. And so they can they can reach out to us on our website at crescendodetroit.org. They can catch me on Facebook. They can Google me. They can call us, uh, and we'll get their kids in. Even if they want to start, uh, we're going to start back next week. If they want to start next week, come on. If it's the week after, whatever, just join us. We'll get you get you in the mix and get you going. Uh, and we do have some room for some kids. We could we could about five kids we could use at this point. Okay. And you're located where? We're located at the Salvation Army, the Detroit Temple, which is at Chicago and Dexter on the west side. It's a beautiful facility. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a real free. nice neighborhood over there, too. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, but that's why we're there. <laughs> right. When the people drive in, they go, oh, I said, yeah, that's why we're here. That's why come on in. <laughs> come on in. That's why we're here. Just, you know, just come on through. And because uh, we really, that was one of the things when we started that we wanted to be like in the middle of a neighborhood where kids can walk to yeah. us. So some kids do walk to us, you know, so it's a good thing. You know, I think, and a part of that is the way we were raised, you know, this people ask, well, why do you do this kind of work? I mean, you could be off just being a conductor or a professor. I said, you know, I don't know. I said, growing up, we had people that did stuff for us. You know, yeah. remember my, my dad sometimes would take all of us to the Tigers baseball game. Yeah. Right. And David's mom, my second mom, Miss Lewis, made sure that we had like, like Easter baskets. You know, like it didn't matter who you were on the street. She made sure on Easter you had a basket that had your kind of stuff in it. You know, I mean, we were little kids, and she took us. She walked us to the to to Top Hat Hamburgers on Eight Mile. You know, Shout and Ryan. Top it, right? And we sat in the parking eight. So it's like people, people did stuff for us. And they didn't have to. Yeah. And so that's that's just kind of been a part of, you know, in, that's just kind of in my thing at this point. Reverend Green and paying for my horn lessons and all this kind of stuff. It's just it's just a part of who we are. Yeah. It's a valuable lesson to pass on, right? It's a valuable lesson to pass on. And you know, mom was big on that. I talked to her today. She said, How old are you? I said, 53. She said, You can't know. I said, how old are you? She said, how old am I? They said, 81. She said, oh, I'm old too. I said, right. I said, right. So we laughed and talked. But it's 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 that legacy. It's, it's our parents. It's our community's legacy. Our 313, Monarch, Keystone, Conley, Farwell, Van Zyl. Eastside? Eastside, right? It's, uh, you know, we got great people from Eastside doing great things. You know, um, um, Alicia Bradford is doing great stuff. You, oh, yeah. future guest, future guest. Wait, JJ, Shout out, BB. Who's the chef? The chef, uh, Sean Lovin. Uh, Sean yeah, Lovin. Love. He's yeah. he is now. He just taken over the. Um, I just read 
the Detroit Athletic Club. He's going to be the head man. Wow. So for my neighborhood, you know, hey, you can't yeah. beat it. Yeah, we're going to have to reach out to him as well. Get him on here. Get him on here. All right, D-Crutch. We got uh, one more very important question before we let okay. you go. There's a thousand more things that I could ask, but, you know, like you said, you've done some conducting, you do some teaching, you do a lot of this and a lot of that. And we're not going to get into all of that uh, on this episode. But the the most important question we ask is, uh, have you ever been on the cover of a magazine? Have I ever been on the cover of a magazine? I have. I just can't remember. I have been on the cover. Okay. And actually, you know what? You know who's great? Put me on the cover is Black Magazine. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, well, go take- on. You said... Black magazine, put Black you on the magazine cover? just reached out to me and they want to do an article. I should say, I, I hope I can get on the cover. I know I'm going to be on the inside. Okay, that's well, I love that. Are, Look at that. You are on the cover of the Dripping in Black magazine. I like that. Look at that. Yeah, All I look of our pretty guests, good. They come on to the episode. They get the grace to cover for that episode of our magazine. Uh, and there's your cut cover, D Crutch. I love it. Dripping in black. It's a, a parting gift. We will get that out to you. Oh, that's uh, that. at a later date. Very good. Coming out with the caveat that you will pop back on and we'll have oh. even more discussion. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Anytime. One time we have to get um my mentor. We'll get Wooten, me, and Chris to come three generations, right? That's great. And we'll just, great. We'll get, just get Maradona on here. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, man. <laughs> He's about to help me on this other project at the DSO. He's about to help me on that. He's the one of the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, the greatest. One All of the right, greatest. We will leave it there. We want to thank you for coming out. And we want to let the audience know that we have the final segment, the last drip that's coming up. But thanks again to D. Damien Kyle Crutcher, D. Crutch, for gracing us. Good. Thank you, David Lewis and your production staff, Sean. Thank you all for having me. Keep up the good work. Up next, The Last Drip. But first, a message from Anchor. Hey, Drippin' in Black. Thanks to my brother, Damian Crutcher, a true man of God whose faith shines through his work we appreciate him for his passion for our city and all that he's doing to impact the lives of our kids now however we have reached the final segment of our podcast called the last drip the last drip is the last opportunity for us to squeeze in a bit more black excellence before we leave you in this final segment we highlight a common thread between our guests and our vast and rich African-American history. For this episode, we focus on Aaron Paul Dworkin. Born to an interracial couple in 1970 in Monticello, New York, when he was just two weeks old, Aaron was adopted by Barry and Susan Dworkin, who happened to be white neuroscience professors. Dworkin's adoptive mother was also an amateur violinist. It was she who introduced Aaron to classical music. At the age of five, Aaron began playing the violin. At the age of 10, Aaron moved with his adoptive parents to Hershey, Pennsylvania, 
Hershey had just one black family. It was a place that Aaron was ostracized because of his race and began a self-described downward spiral. By the time Aaron reached his junior year of high school, his parents had decided to send him to the esteemed Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan, a decision that Dworkin has on one or more occasions credited for saving his life. After graduating from Interlochen, Aaron went back home for a few years before returning to Michigan to attend the one and only University of Michigan. Go Blue! From the University of Michigan, Aaron attained a Bachelor's of Music in 1997 and a Master's of Music in 1998. Also in 1997, Dworkin founded the Sphinx Organization, which is a national nonprofit social justice organization that is dedicated to transforming lives through the power of diversity in the arts. The Detroit-based Sphinx Organization has major corporate sponsors, the support of universities and numerous American symphony orchestras. It holds annual competition concerts in Ann Arbor and Detroit in junior and senior divisions. And above all, it is doing the important work of addressing the underrepresentation of people of color and classical music. Amongst many other things, Aaron Paul Dworkin is a highly accomplished violinist, arts educator, and a powerful advocate for children of color. His accomplishments and accolades are quite honestly too numerous to list here. But for me, his greatest accomplishment, like our guest Damian Crutcher, is the work that he does for the underserved and underrepresented. It is also why he is this episode's last drip. For more on Aaron Paul Dworkin, check out sphinxmusic.org, chevaliersdesaintgeorge.homestead.com, smtd.umich.edu, biography.jrank.org, theviolinchannel.com, and icfad. Dot membersclicks.net. My thanks to all of these websites for the knowledge. What a great God is doing great things right now in the moment. He is our last drip, but hopefully he will be a guest one day on the Dripping in Black podcast. Perhaps one of these days, I will also be able to convince somebody that our African American history is vast rich and not limited to what the school system decides to teach but until then I implore you to be good be good be good it is a choice You have just experienced a Dripping in Black production.